Good morning, Lake Homa. How are y'all doing? Good. Glad to have you all here today. If you're visiting with us, and I know we have quite a few visitors, thank you for being with us today. We are extremely glad to have you here. And stay around so that we can get to know you. This is a loving and just a wonderful congregation, and we love meeting new people. So stay around so that we can get to know you. We're in a series called Beyond, and today, as you have already heard, we're looking at Beyond Chaos. Now, this Sunday and next Sunday are one story, or actually one sermon. I can't get it all done in one time. So, we're going to split it up into two. And there's a natural break in it, so it makes sense. But this story that we're going to look at, which we're going to travel with Jesus today, we're actually all going to get on a boat with him, and we're going to go out into the Sea of Galilee today. All right? So that's what we're going to do. And I need you, as I've talked about through this whole series, I need you to select a character. Be a person in the story. Put yourself in that boat with the disciples, with Jesus. Okay, I need you to be one of those individuals out there on that sea. Now, before we get into that, let me ask you a question, as we usually do. And let me just ask you a question. Has there been a time, and I appreciate Glenn. Glenn, thank you very much. You set it up really well for me today. Because life is chaotic. And has anybody experienced chaos in their life just recently? Has anybody, if any of you, over the last year would say, yes, I have experienced chaos. I'm going through it right now. And when I'm thinking chaos, I'm thinking to the point to where you feel like, you feel like you're in a deep ocean with the water over your head, and you're trying to tread water, and you're not doing too good of a job at that. And that's what I'm calling chaos. It's that point of where it's almost as if I can't hold on one more moment. One more moment. Now, we're going to be talking about water today. And I need to kind of set this up, if you don't mind. I want to set up how the Israelites actually thought about water in their lives. Because they are actually, the, the history is that they're really wilderness people. Water is not something they like. In Genesis 1, verse 1, it says, And God created the heavens and the earth. And verse 2 says this, And the earth was formless and empty. Darkness Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. When God created the heavens and the earth, it began in chaos before He actually uttered the words, and God said, let there be light. So this chaos of water that covered the whole earth was our beginning in creation. That was the beginning of creation, that let there be light, this water that was there when He created the heavens and the earth. And God brings out of chaos, He brings order. And that's what we see in creation. That's what we see. The next thing I want you to know is, is if you think about what's the next thing, really big story that you see in the Old Testament after creation. Big story that involves water. The flood, right? The flood. The flood comes, and it just, everybody 
is wiped off the face of the earth except those eight that are saved through the ark and all the animals that are saved on the ark as well. This is a story, understand, this is a story the Israelites are being told. This is a story that is shaping them as a people. And now they're all carted off and they go to Egypt where they're all carted off to, to Egypt. And then there's three stories, three actual stories in the ten plagues that involve water, right? The Nile being changed into blood. You have the hailstones as well. And what's the third one? The water, what? Anybody know? I forgot. I did. I'm sorry. I forgot. I'll come back to that, but that's okay. What happened? <laughs> what happened? Somebody's going to look that up and tell me, right? Don't do it during my sermon. Wait till afterwards. Okay. <laughs> what happened at the end of that as they were moving and going out of Egypt? And they were running away. They were kind of going away from Pharaoh. What happened? Pharaoh runs after them, but what do they have to do? They have to go through the Red Sea. The Red Sea opens, and every one of them are in chaos right now because they're being chased after. And here they go through the Red Sea, and they're out of the Red Sea. And what happens? And then the whole army of Pharaoh is lost in the Red Sea. And then you have the crossing of the Jordan. And all of their ideas of what water is is something that is chaotic to them. Water brings death in many ways, and yet what we know is water is also a blessing. And you see that scripture in Exodus 15, verse 5, the floods covered them, and they went down into the depths like a stone. In the Bible, in the Bible, many times flooding waters of the sea are used as judgment. They're used as judgment for the whole earth. Those people who are opposed to God's people, that idea of water coming over you and flooding you is a form of judgment. And the Israelites know this. They understand that water sometimes is chaos. And how many of you right now are feeling that? That water that's up over your head. The water that is, and it could be your spiritual life may not even be something, it's, it's something that's going on in your heart. Something that's going on in your heart. Water is often a symbol of desperation and death. Of desperation and death. The Psalms say this, in Psalm 69, verses 1 and 2, it says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come over me to my neck I sink into the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. Here's another one. Psalm 69, verses 14 through 15. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me in depths uh, or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Okay, so my brother and I, my brother and I, in the fourth grade, we actually went to forestry camp over in Beaver's Bend State Park. And so we're over there in forestry camp, and at fourth grade, we still didn't know how to swim. I mean, if you're at Tipton, there's no water there anyway. So I'm serious. <laughs> Don't get much rain down there. So we didn't know how to swim, and we had never been taught. And so we're on our end over there, and we're right there 
by, you know, the rope that separates where you're supposed to be and the deep end. And my brother, my brother gets on the other side and he's holding on to the rope. He's going, well, it's still kind of safe here. It's still kind of safe. It's still okay. And he walks out and he lets go of the rope. And he's still okay. But the next step he takes, he goes under. And I'm sitting there going, i got to do something. So I've got my hand on the rope trying to grab him, but I can't. And I still got my hand on the rope and I grab him, but my brother grabs me and pulls me under. And now we're both under the water. Neither one of us can swim. And finally, we find our way back up and we get to the rope. I appreciate this verse. Okay? I understand this verse. It's why it's one of the big reasons my brother and I got our lifeguard lessons. That and so we could go to camp and see all the girls. But anyway, no. <laughs> but anyway, that's one of the reasons we got our lifeguard license. Because we were afraid. And we wanted to be, and we knew, I mean, both of us knew, we were, we were there, I mean, we could have died easily. Easily. So, we're going to go on an adventure today. We're going to get in the boat. So, we need everybody to get in the boat. Get in the boat. And, and so, here's the adventure. The day when evening came. Now, listen to this. Every detail matters in here. When evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Okay, so everybody get in the boat. Remember what time is it? What time of the day is it? Evening. What time is that usually? Six o'clock for you? Is that evening time? Is that when it kind of hits off? You go from evening time to finally dark? Okay, somewhere around there. So get in the boat, and you're wondering, you're wondering, well, these disciples, sure, this is not a problem. I mean, they're fishermen, right? Most of them are. Most of them know the, the Sea of Galilee. Most of them understand that. Why should they be concerned? Why, why should we be concerned about water? Why were they, were they actually, think about who was, who was here. Peter and Andrew were fishermen, right? James and John were fishermen. When Jesus called them, where were they? Where were Peter and Andrew when Jesus called them? They were on the shore. They were actually throwing their nets into the, the ocean. They were not in a boat. And Jesus says, come follow me. Where was James and John when Jesus called them? They were in a boat. And Jesus is on the shore. They were with their father Zebedee. And he's calling them. How far do, do, the, do these fishermen get out into the Sea of Galilee? Not very far. Why? Because water is not their friend. They don't like water. And Jesus says, get in the boat. And then he says, what does it say? Let's go over to the other side. And they know exactly what that means. They know exactly what that means. That means that we're going to go over to the other side where we're not supposed to be. Remember the story last week about the prodigal son? Where did he go? To the other side. He went over there. The heathen territory. And Jesus knows. And they know. We don't want to go. Okay, I got a couple of maps here today. All right, so let me show you this map. The first map is just, this is just Israel. You're not going to be able to see anything up there. I'll pull it into the Sea of Galilee, which is the body of water up north there. Okay, let's go to the next one. 
In the next one, I don't even know if you can still see this, but as you can see, there's some little Bethsaida over here. That's where James and John are from. That's where Philip and Andrew are from, right there in Bethsaida. The other side, if you'll look, right there in between Gergesa and Hippus is the other side. The picture I'm going to show you, not yet, the picture I'm going to show you in just a second is me standing in between those two towns looking out to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. So this is what, here's the next picture. So this is me standing on, standing right here, looking out. Now, if you can look through the haze, you can see the mountains on the other side. This is the Sea of Galilee. It's not big. It's a mile across. When it is dark in the night, you can go out here and you can see every city that surrounds the Sea of Galilee. It's not that big. Why are Andrew and them terrified to go over there? Why is that? In Mark 4, verse 36, it says this, and this is so interesting. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. That they took him along just as he was in the boat is very hard to translate. In, in fact, some people don't even try to translate that. Some of it means to seize. Some of the people say it means to grasp. And some people say it means to take. And so you grasp, you take, and you seize. That this is not really about Jesus. This is about what Jesus did. Jesus says, let's get in the boat and go. And they're like, no, we're not going. Can you just see Jesus said, oh, no, no, no. Yes, you are. Let's go, boys. We're going. And he's putting them in the boat because he wants them to go to the other side. And they're like, we're not going. That's not where we're supposed to be. That's not where we're supposed to do ministry. That's not where we should be. And they get out on the boat. And I wonder how many times have we, when Jesus has asked us, have we refused to get in the boat with Jesus and go with him on the journey that he's asked us to go on? How many times have we done the same thing? And how many times did we need someone to grab us by the neck and say, get in the boat? We've got a ministry. We've got a mission. We've got a purpose. We've got something that we need to do. But Jesus, Jesus, if we go over there, we're going to be unclean for seven days. If we go over there, we can't, we can't do that. Get in the boat. The rabbi is talking to his, kid, his, his students and the students are supposed to be following the rabbi so close that the dust is falling off their feet. And Jesus is saying, you're going with me. And they're refusing. But he gets in the boat. Now, put yourself, put yourself right now in that boat. Put yourself in the boat. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be with Jesus. You don't want to be on the Sea of Galilee because you've seen what the Sea of Galilee is like. You don't want to go out to the middle of it. You don't want to go out there and, and row in this boat all the way across. And it's not that far. But it's over there. It's the heathens. It's the Gentiles. Why in the world are we going over there? And you just see it in their minds. And it's paralyzing to them. 
And how many times is our fear so paralyzing, so paralyzing that it makes us where we just don't move or do a thing? Because many of us, many of us, many of us, including myself, there are times in our lives when God asks us to do something and we know we should, but we're so afraid we can't move. We won't move. I'm not going to get in the boat. So he puts them all in the boat. They go over, and they're going over to where Legion is, which is the story next week. We'll get to that. Legion is. And it says in, Acts, in Luke 8, 31, it says, And they begged him repeatedly, this is the demons, begged him repeatedly to order them to go into the abyss. Don't, don't get, we, I'd rather go into the water than go to the abyss. Let, let us, let us, just let us go into the water. And yet the water was a terrifying place to be. Our fear often becomes a catalyzing agent of unfaithfulness to God. Does it not? It does. It becomes a catalyzing agent of unfaithfulness. When you look at all the times in the Bible where it says that water is something that is terrible. In Isaiah, it's talked about the terrible dragon, the Leviathan, came as a symbol of the pagan nations. In Daniel, the description of the great sea beast and the terror they spread all around water and the beasts that are in the water. This is not where they should be. And while all this is going on, and while all this is going on, they're in the boat, they're on the, 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 the Sea of Galilee, and what's come up? What's come up? A storm, right? Next thing, the storm. And Jonah, oh, wait a second, let me back up to that. Stay right there. Jesus is asleep on the ship, on the boat, not a ship, asleep on the boat. He's asleep on the boat. And there's a storm that comes up. Do you know of a prophet who actually was asleep on a boat going to a heathen territory? Anybody? Jonah? Yeah. This is a story. This is kind of the reenactment of Jonah that these guys don't want to go. And so Jonah 1, verses 1 to 2, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. This is the story of Jonah. He's re, it's basically doing the same thing. You've got a prophet. Both prophets are asleep in the boat. Both prophets are in a storm. Both prophets are going to a place in which is a Gentile territory. Both of them, Jonah doesn't want to go. The disciples don't want to go. And Jesus is saying this is exactly where God wants us. This is exactly where he wants us to be. And so this storm comes up. This storm comes up, and it is utter chaos for them. It is utter chaos. All the disciples are afraid at this point. All the disciples are just going, how in the world, what do we do? How do we, does Jesus even care? And in our chaos, don't we ask the same question? Does Jesus even care? Does he even care that I'm going through all this chaos? Does he even care that I'm hurting? Does he even care? Does he not know 
I need his help. I demand his help now because our fear, our fear always demands attention now, does it not? I need you, God, and I need you right now. But Jesus, Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves. Look at this. He got it. Did I not do the chaos? A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat, so it was, not, it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke, up, woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And here's the rebuke that Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verses 39 through 40. He got up, rebuked the winds, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do I believe, and do you believe, that Jesus can help us in the midst of our storms? Do we believe that he can help us through the chaos in our lives? Am I willing to allow him to help me? And how did, he, how did he calm the storm? With a whisper. Quiet. Be still. And many times the things that we need to do in our lives to get through chaos is just be still. To sit in the presence of Jesus. To sit in the presence of the Holy. To sit with Him. And here's the response that they give. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They're terrified. Jesus gets up and says, quiet, be still, and all nature listens to his voice. He's the creator of the universe. Everything was created through him. Everything. Peace, be still. And they were terrified. Now, it amazes me one thing. And, and it amazes me that they have seen so many miracles of Jesus already. They have seen him cast out demons. They have seen him actually uh, heal those who were blind. He's actually seen those cast out. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen all this. They've even seen him raise the dead from the widow Nain, her son, They've seen him raise the dead. Why are they terrified that Jesus could actually do this? Why are, they, why are they just so shaken by what Jesus did by stilling the storm in the sea? It's because it's in the text. Because it's in the Scriptures. This whole story is in the Scriptures. This whole story, they understand that they're living it out. Think about this. Think about this. Think about Jonah not Jonah the prophet, think about Jonah, the father of Andrew and Peter, and think about Zebedee, the, the father of James and John. And just think about this a moment. The Bible did not have letters or chapter breaks, and they did not have uh, scripture headings like what, what we have. And they didn't break every scripture down. And so a psalm was a psalm. Text was a text. Now think about this. I believe Jonah and Zebedee, thank you. 
I believe Jonah and Zebedee, the fathers, I believe they, as, as kids, as fishermen themselves, as kids, they grew up singing a song to their kids. And that song that they sang, they sang over and over to the kids because it was about fishermen, because it was about something that they knew that those kids, those little kids would enjoy this little psalm. This little psalm, man, we put it to music. How many times do we do that? Do we do the Lord's Shepherd, the Lord's uh, Psalm 23? Absolutely we sing that. It's what they did back then. And so they're singing the song to him. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, after everything happens and peace be still, they go, that was the song. We're the, we're the ones in this psalm. This is it. And they are terrified. Because they know that the singing of that song that they've sung from, the, from the little kids all the way up, they're like, this is amazing. And in Psalm 107, 107, the bedtime psalm becomes life to them. Listen to this. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds in the deep. For He spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves and the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt Him in the assembly of the people and praise Him in the council of the elders. Right? I mean, is this the telling of that story? Is this the same thing? They're terrified because they are in the middle of chaos, and they're in the middle of this, and they understand that we have a Savior in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of everything that's going on, who will still the storm. If we trust Him, if we trust Him, if we trust Him, He will still the storm. Go back to that Mark 4, verse 41. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. And brothers and sisters, our Savior can still the storms in our lives. He can still the storms in our lives. And if you're going through chaos right now, if you're going through difficult times, I know we've got shepherds here that would be more than happy to pray with you. Pray with you and help you through 
the things that you're going through right now. We want to pray with you. Because the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And if you're going through some time in your life right now where you need prayer, seek out one of our men, our elders, anybody. Seek any of the ministers out too. We will be more than happy to spend some time in prayer with you. Now, beyond chaos because it becomes beyond fear next week. We are at half the story. Remember where we are. Remember that we are on the other side and we have landed there safely. Remember that because next week we're going to go beyond our fear. Let's stand and sing.